All right, well, uh, before we begin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, pray and just, um, just lift the Lord up in this time and help him to speak through, um, speak through me to you all today. So let's lift him up. Dear Lord, I just uh, thank, you for, thank you for bringing us all here tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for this opportunity um, to, uh, to share what's in your word um, with, these, with these brothers. And uh, I just I pray, Lord, that I will just get out of the way and that I will forget myself and teach your word tonight. And uh, Lord, um, and those who hear it, Lord, I pray that, uh, that they will have receptive hearts and um, that it will fall on good soil, Lord. And I just, uh, yeah, I just pray that you are glorified in this uh, in this, Lord, and just uh, pray all this in your holy son's name. Amen. <coughs> well, I'm usually used to, uh, used to leading music and hiding behind my piano, so this is kind of a, a good uh, opportunity for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so as we begin, I, uh, I want you guys to think about, first of all, I want you to think about the best, the best dinner or the best meal you've ever had. Now, that can be, I know there are a bunch of guys, that should not be that hard. <laughs> Uh, that might be, you know, maybe some somewhere where the food was just really good, or maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just the people you shared it with, whether it was your family, your friends. Um, so just think on that, and as you think on that, uh, flip open your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 14, if you're not already there. As I think on that question, what's the best meal I've ever had? Probably. I was in Germany a couple of years ago, and we had some of the best apple strudel I think I've ever had. And it was like after a day of hiking at Eli knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, we were like we had to like hike to this youth hostel, and then we sat down and we're like, you know, let's just have a really nice meal, and it was super good, eating with all my friends. And I just remember just the joy that I had uh, just sharing that meal with the people that I really cared about, and it was just it was just definitely a, a memory close to my heart. Um, So yeah, so starting in verse 15, uh, we're going to read through the parable of the great banquet. So it says, When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported that this to the master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, crippled, and blind, and lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the the hedges, and compel them to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my dinner. So in order to fully understand kind of what's going on, it kind of jumps into the middle of a a conversation. Um, It's important to understand kind of the immediate context. And I think that that pretty much starts... uh, at the start of chapter 14. So if you want to flip over uh, to, to, uh, to verse 1. And it says, It happened that when he went into the, house, into, one of, sorry, into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. And so we see, immediately we see like, okay, so Jesus is at this dinner. He's, he's eating with a bunch of Pharisees, with a bunch of religious leaders. Uh, and it's on the Sabbath. 
And it says they were watching him closely. And the reason is in the next verse, he says, and there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. So the reason they're, they're, they're at this dinner, the reason that they invited Jesus to this dinner, and the reason they invited this man suffering from dropsy, which dropsy was like, it was like a medical condition which was resulting in like an abnormal swelling. The body doesn't retain fluids correctly. Um, I, but anyway, the, the man would not normally have been welcomed at a, at a dinner of a, of a religious leader. And uh, so we see the reason he's there really is because they're, they're, they want to set Jesus up. They're trying to, he's kind of the bait in the trap, if you will, uh, that the Pharisees are trying to spring on Jesus. And the trap is to, you know, they, they believe that it's not lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And so Jesus in the next verse, he answers, and so it says, And Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. And he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to him, Which one of you, which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? And they could make no reply to this. So Jesus obviously knew that you know, this trap had been, had been set for him. Uh, and he kind of just puts the, puts the Pharisees in their place a little bit by just kind of humbling them and, and kind of just calling out their hip, hip, hypocrisy. Um, and then kind of more on, he, he, goes, he goes on to, uh, to talk about the parable of the ambitious guest and uh, talks about places of honor. When you go to a dinner to take the lowest place of honor, in verse 11 he says, uh, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus here is really just, he's preaching humility to these Pharisees. And uh, we kind of come up to verse 15 where the parable begins. And this, uh, this, kind of, this verse kind of sets up the parable. As he says, uh, one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So basically what this guy is saying, this is, the, the guy who's speaking is most likely a Pharisee or a fellow relig- religious leader. And basically what he's saying is, he's basically saying, Blessed is everyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. But what he's saying is, Blessed are, are we and my brother and my fellow Pharisees who will be you know, blessed in the kingdom of God. He's basically making a toast to himself and everyone else at the table who are righteous by their own standards and by their own uh, religious practices. Um, this man was sure that the Pharisees and religious leaders would be blessed when they reached heaven, but Jesus was about to correct their skewed beliefs. So this verse kind of sets up uh, what Jesus says next. And uh, so jumping into uh, to verse 16, and I think on your outlines I have the first... It's kind of the first of four main points about the invitation uh, to this great banquet. So the first one is the invitation sent. So that's going to start uh, kind of here in 15 and, and, and in verse 16 as we, as we jump in here. So in verse 16, he says, But he said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. So first of all, we see, okay, a man was giving a big dinner. Like now when I read over that, I think, okay, a big dinner. Like we do those every once in a while. But in that culture and in that day and age, a big dinner was like a huge celebration. The feast, having a feast was not only a sign of you were probably a pretty wealthy man, but also just it was just the height of celebration in that day and age. If you were invited to a feast, and especially like the one that this one is, it, it's the highest kind of celebration, the highest kind of joy, just like I was saying earlier about just the greatest meal that you've ever, uh, or the greatest memory of a meal that you've ever shared with, with people. Um, and what's cool here is Jesus, you know, we... Immediately we notice that a man was giving a big dinner. Jesus is likening that to heaven. Um, if you want to turn over to Isaiah 25, this kind of goes more into this idea of, of, uh, of heaven compared to a lavish banquet. Isaiah 
So Isaiah 25, starting in verse 6, it reads, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. So here we see, you know, Christ is likening heaven to a big banquet. And sometimes, I don't know, when I think of heaven, I, I, don't, I don't think that I accurately have a good view of it in my mind, but Christ is saying here, it's going to be a celebration. It's going to be joyful. It's going to be the greatest memory we can possibly ever imagine. And he's, he's likening it to a big dinner, but it's going to be so much more than that. And the Pharisees, what's interesting here is that they're at, a, they're at a dinner as they're saying this. So the Pharisees definitely would have been able to relate to this and uh, would have been able to, um, would be tracking with Jesus this far, just comparing heaven to, uh, to a banquet. The second part that he says is, and he invited many. Uh, this, this would have been like the social event of the, of the, of the year, maybe even like the decade, because it says, uh, it's, a, it's a great dinner. He invited many. Everyone, everyone who is invited would, would no doubt want to, want to, be, want to be at this feast. Uh, and it says he invited many. Well, it's okay. Who, who, did, who is invited to this banquet uh, in verse 16? And to answer that question, we need to flip back over to Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, starting in verse 6. So the Lord is, uh, is speaking to, to the nation of Israel is, is, is the answer in verse 16 about who is, who is invited, uh, the nation of Israel. So the Lord is speaking to, to Israel in this verse, and he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here we see, again, uh, you know, clarifying in verse 16, the nation of Israel is the ones that are being invited. And so uh, in verse 16, so thinking about, you know, the first point there, the invitation sent. So the invitation is sent out, first of all, to those who are, who are in Israel. And uh, obviously what Jesus is really getting at here, the invitation, you know, he's comparing it to a banquet, but he's, he's comparing it to the invitation that is sent out to follow Christ and to, to, uh, to follow Christ and repent of your sins so that you'll be included into the kingdom. And, uh, and the Jews are the first to be invited, he says here in 16. They're the first ones uh, that'll be included uh, in, that, in the initial invitation. Um, so the invitation was first extended to Israel, which was God's chosen people. Uh, in verse 17, continuing on uh, in the parable back in Luke, uh, he says, And at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. So a little background that's necessary uh, to go over. So in that day when there was a big banquet, there was typically uh, there was two invitations. One was set out, as we see uh, in verse 16, he invited many. That's the invitation that was sent out. It was kind of like an RSVP. It was kind of just letting you know like when, what day the banquet was and just kind of, kind of to get a head count on who was going to come and just letting you know when the, when the banquet 
would take place, but not the actual or the exact time of the of the banquet. And then there would be a second one that would be sent out on the day of the feast. And that's the invitation that we see in verse 17, uh, that everything at the banquet has been prepared. Uh, the long-awaited party, basically, is finally here. Uh, this invitation was, obviously, like, if, if you would have been invited to a dinner like this, the, the, uh, the expectation and the longing for this, for this celebration would have, been, would have been great. And then when this, uh, this invitation finally came, the second one, to say, come for everything is ready now, the expected response would have been joy and excitement from the dinner guests upon finally being able to attend this this massive party. Uh, but then, as we move into uh, so okay, before I before I move on, so that's going to be that the first section of the invitation sent. Now we move into the next, which is the invitation rejected. Moving into verse eighteen, and this is kind of where we see the twist, sort of in the story. Um, verse eighteen says, "But they all alike began to make excuses." Nobody in their right mind would want to miss this party. There was no, especially in that day and age, there, was, there would be no one who invited that would ever dream of, of refusing this invitation. But here we see that not only did, did some not want to go, it says, it says they all like began to make excuses. No one responded to the invitation. No one wanted to go. And uh, this, as you can, you can kind of picture Jesus saying this to a bunch of Pharisees, and this would have been, absurd for them to hear they they, it would almost have been like a bit of a joke because it would be so unheard of that no one would want to go to this banquet um john macarthur puts it best he says talking about the pharisees says they would have seen it as laughable ludicrous ridiculous impossible inconceivable a joke without a punchline an impossible scenario a great feast like the one of which the lord spoke given by a wealthy prominent man would have been the social event of the year for some it might have been the highlight of their lives no one invited to such a banquet would have dreamed of refusing the invitation. So, uh, we we kind of before we jump into the to the uh, the individual excuses, it's just uh, it's important to see just that they uh, they they for whatever reason it was they just they didn't want to go. They 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 made up excuses and they just they weren't willing for whatever reason, and that's why it wouldn't have made sense. You know, considering a Pharisee, like, why would you not want to go to this incredible, incredible feast? So we jump into the first excuse uh, in verse 18. It says, the first one said to him, I bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Uh, first of all, it's, it's pretty apparent that this is a really lame excuse. Because first of all, who goes out and buys land without looking at it first? I mean, it says this guy, he went out and bought it and now he needs to go look at it. I don't know. Who, any of you, if you've rented apartments or, or uh, considered buying a house, just kind of look it up on Craigslist and just like, oh, yeah, sure, and then just send the money in without going and looking at it first. Uh, so clearly already this is a lame excuse, but, you know, even if he did buy it, for, like the, the land would be there the next day. He could still go to the party. Uh, he could still enjoy the feast, and the land would still be there tomorrow. So clearly he did not want to go to the dinner. The second excuse from the second man says, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Again, another lame excuse, because the oxen could have been tested after the banquet. He could have gone out, could have gone to the party, had a great time. And he, I mean, buying five yoke of oxen in that day of age, that, that, that was, oxen were, were expensive. They were an investment. And buying that many of them, he probably had enough you know, servants that he could have had one of them go try them out. And he could have gone to the, gone to the feast and enjoyed it. Uh, so it's, it's just clear that he didn't want to go either. 
And what's interesting, the first or the the first two excuses um, are really just contradictory to uh, to Matthew six twenty four, which says you cannot serve both God and money. Uh, it's obvious that these men put put that before the Lord. They didn't want to come to the feast, and that's that's often true of, of people these these days. Is uh, you know they want to put their their trust in material possessions, and they don't want to come to they don't want to come to Christ. They don't want to accept the invitation to follow Christ. Uh, the third excuse uh, says, "I have married a wife, and for the re- that reason, I cannot come." This one's probably the poorest of them all, because <laughs> traditionally, and this is just. This is one of the reasons, but traditionally, if a man was was to marry, he would take a year off uh, from um, from if he was in uh, the military, and so he would take a year off. So there there was he could have gone to the party. Plus, I mean, <laughs> it obviously doesn't make sense that uh, that you know a lavish banquet obviously isn't something that you know a loving wife would want to go to. <laughs> and so, uh, and another reason, the Pharisees probably had a pretty low view of women. They did not you know view them as you know, kind of as our culture does today. And so not going to a huge banquet just because of a woman would have been like, would have been laughable to them. And so we see all these excuses. And obviously the Pharisees can see that they're completely ridiculous because, but the the key point to all three of these um, passages, a lot of it, or all three of these excuses um, is, it's not that they couldn't come. It's not that that anything was keeping them from coming to the party. It's that they just, they did not want to. They were not willing to, to go. And so, yeah, the reality is there's, there's nothing keeping them. They just made three very hollow excuses. And, uh, and here we see, and you can kind of imagine, uh, as Jesus is sitting with these Pharisees, and he's in the middle of, you know, he's in the middle of this parable, and he's talking to a bunch of Pharisees about making excuses. And little does he know, he's, he's, talking, about, he's talking about them. He's talking about the Jewish nation and these Pharisees that believe that they are saved through through, the, through their works and through, uh, you know, things that they've done. And uh, we can see Jesus' heart for these people. Uh, this is kind of further back in, into context, but I'll, I'll just flip to it quick. But Luke 13, 34 and 35, it's the last, last verses right before chapter 14. Uh, Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem because he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not have it. Behold, your house is left to you desolate, and I say to you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we see Jesus, he's extended this, this invitation to them, and he wants them to come to him. They want, he wants him, them to be at the banquet. He wants them to come and follow Christ. But we see Jesus is just lamenting over Jerusalem, and, and we can kind of see that in these excuses that are made. And what's interesting is we can still see this today, can't we? You know, many people... You know, at least at one point in their in their lives or or another, they they'd say that they want to be a Christian. You know, they uh, they don't have a problem with the idea. Like a lot of just like a lot of people want to go to the banquet. You know, when that first invitation comes, there's going to be this great banquet, and it's like, oh yeah, this great banquet's coming. And just like you know, today, you know, maybe someone hears about it when they're in VBS as a kid or at camp or whatever. They hear about Christ and they hear about you know turning turning to Christ and following Christ. And it sounds like a great idea, you know. It's like you get, you know, uh, you know, you're changed, you're transformed. They want, you know, people want a transformed life in general. But when that time comes to make the decision to surrender your life, when that second invitation comes, it says, "Come, everything is ready. 
come now, everything is ready. We, we make excuses because we see what's in front of us. Uh, and, you know, you can almost track it through people's lives. You know, when you're growing up, maybe it's, maybe it's well, I'm, I'm going to college and I want to have fun, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll turn to Christ later on. And then, you know, maybe they graduate college, get a good job, and like, well, I, w- I, want to find, I want to find a wife first. So they find a wife, and then maybe, oh, I, well, I want to have some good kids. And they, you know, to raise those kids. So they raise their kids, you know, and, and now, you know, getting into closer to retirement. Like, well, I want to retire, make sure I get a good retirement. And, and it's like you just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it further and further along. And the reality is you're just making hollow excuses because you don't want to. You're just putting it, pushing it aside. Because people like the idea of heaven, but they can't humble themselves enough to accept the invitation to follow Christ. So in this section we've seen, or in this, so far we've seen an invitation sent out to the nation of Israel to follow Christ. And, uh, but also, we've also seen the invitation rejected by uh, the nation of Israel. And although it doesn't make sense, everyone made pathetic excuses attempting to justify their absence to the banquet, even though it would be the greatest feast of their lives. So moving on, we're going to move on into the invitation extended now. And this is in verse 21. And the slave came back and reported this to the master, talking about uh, the excuses that they made. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. So since none of those invited wanted to come, the master still, he still wants his house to be filled. He still wants to have this, this great feast. And so, so what does he do? He invites those who basically whom the Pharisees despise. And what's interesting about this, he invites the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And what's interesting is the man who, just, who Jesus just cured from dropsy is still sitting at the table. And the Pharisees invited this guy not because, not because they wanted him at their feast, but they wanted to use him to trap Jesus. And so it's, it's just really interesting that if you can kind of you can almost picture it in the room, you have Jesus sitting with a bunch of Pharisees, and you, just, you can kind of just feel the room, just the tension, just you know, building, because you can just feel that Jesus is really just coming down and he's, you know, he's, he's speaking right at them. And uh, <clears throat> so it says, the, so the Pharisees looked down on, on people like these, um, typically because they, they thought their disease and misfortune was a result of something that they'd done, some, some sin that they'd committed, some, some, something that resulted in them being cursed by God. And as a result of that, they tend to kind of step on these people, and, and that just further puffed up their, you know, their self-righteousness, their, their affirmations that they were blessed by God. So verse 22, moving on, it says, And the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. So after those described in verse 21 were brought in, there's still room for more at the banquet. And in 21, we're talking about people that the Pharisees despise, but still kind of within the remnant, within the nation of Israel, kind of in this, you know, still within the city, basically. And uh, in verse 22, he's ex- we see the invitation extended because we see... Uh, or I'm sorry, not 22, but it's going to be in 23. But uh, we see the invitation extended. And uh, it's kind of amazing when you see that the, the master's heart in this, uh, in this scenario, in this situation. Um, if you guys want to flip over to 2 Peter 3. It's a short, you know, it's only, it's only one verse. We're going to read verse 9. But it's just real, it's real crucial and important to understand. Um, So 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, 
but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So we see the master, he's, you know, he's not, he's not just like, you know, comparing it to the Lord. He's not eager for us to perish. He's not eager for us to, uh, to be lost, but he eagerly desires everyone to be present with him at his banquet. Um, the Lord desires everyone to come to repentance and to share, uh, to share in the banquet with us. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's kind of an amazing truth, right? Because, you know, the Lord doesn't desire any of us to perish. That's, that's amazing because, you know, he, the invitation had already been rejected and there's no way we even deserve to get an invitation. Uh, so moving into verse 3, we see the invitation extended all the way. Uh, and this is really where kind of the key concept um, of this parable comes in. It says, And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Um, so after, you know, he's brought in these, these, uh, these other, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, within the nation of Israel. Now we see he extends the invitation even further to the Gentiles. And so now we see that even the, the master even wants those outside of the city to be at his banquet. And God has called those who are the least deserving to be at his banquet. I mean, these, these are people that are out along the highways, people that they probably didn't even know about the banquet. Maybe they don't even, I mean, maybe they did, but... Of course, of course, could never have dreamed of being invited. And a lot of these people, you know, along the highways, you know, these were, you know, a lot of the people that hung around the highways were just people kind of just fending for themselves, maybe even criminals. But it's amazing that God has extended this invitation. And what we see now is that this, this, this free invitation has been extended to, to everyone, to the, to, the, to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And that's all of us. And... How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, that this incredible banquet in this case, and the Pharisees would have been shocked at this point, right? Because, because of course, they, they think that they would be the only ones worthy of going to this, to this banquet. And now, you know, he's bringing in all of these criminals from outside the city, and it's, but it's like, this is shocking, and it's, it's amazing grace. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 20, I'll just read it. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our, on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, what we have to realize here is these men that were outside of the city, it's interesting that it says, uh, it says, and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Obviously, you know, these people, I'm sure, didn't need to be convinced of like going to the banquet because it was such a lavish banquet. It was such an extraordinary uh, opportunity that they were given. What they needed to be compelled was be just because they, they wouldn't expect to be welcome. I mean, obviously, people like this would have been, you know, the people at the banquet would have been wealthy, you know, probably Pharisees, people like this. They needed to be convinced uh, to be to be welcomed in such a wealthy man's home for an incredible banquet. And this is kind of where the root of the passage really hits is, is, uh, is this invitation, you know, this invitation to the banquet this is Christ calling, calling you, and, and now it's everyone. Now it's not just, you know, the nation of Israel. This is everybody. This is all the Gentiles, everyone out there. This is Christ saying, Christ is inviting you to follow him. Christ is inviting you to come and, and follow him and, and come to this banquet and be included into the kingdom of heaven. And so really, this passage hits here, and, and kind of the two categories is, uh, you know, if you're, if you're here tonight and you're a believer in, in Christ, you've repented of your sins and you've turned to him, uh, 
then there's still there's still um, a message for us here too. It's that uh, you know, it's a bit of a kind of a bit of a rabbit no not a rabbit trail but uh, just on the word compel there. It says that you know these servants were out there compelling these to come in, and compelling is like that word is a pretty intense word. Like I read, uh, I was just kind of studying up on it, and it wasn't just like you know you know nudge or like urge. This compelling was like to the point of almost forcing them to, to do this, to, to like, you have got to, you have got to come to this banquet. The invitation has been extended to you. And so as, as believers, we need to compel those who don't believe to believe and to repent and turn to Christ. The master, it's important to remember the master that God wants his house to be filled. He wants his, there to be people at his banquet. And uh, the word compel, you know, it, it's that, that urgency, that strong convincing, which applies to us. And then on the flip side of that, you know, if you're here tonight uh, and you don't you don't know Christ, you don't call Him Lord, um, then this verse is for you because it says, "Compel those who don't believe to repent and turn to Christ," because just like the fair, just like you know the people in verses 18 to 20, you know these might have been people who have been at one point in their lives thrilled about going to a banquet or thrilled about you know the idea, but when the time came, they came, they just they didn't. They didn't want to do it, and uh, here we see just the urgency that is that is in this that is in this verse is incredible. It says, "And compel them to come in, so that my house may be filled." Christ wants you to come to Him. Christ wants you to repent and to to be included with Him um, at this banquet in heaven. And uh, the reason that it's so important as we move into the last section is the invitation expired. This is verse 24. It says, For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my dinner. Here we see kind of the finality or the expiration date of the invitation. Uh, this verse talks about um, the fact that the invitation is one day going to expire and no more excuses can be made. Either you're going to the banquet or you're not. And the only way to, to be included into the banquet is by trusting in Christ and repenting of your sinful ways and following Him. Again, it's ironic that Jesus is giving this parable at a dinner party because the very people who are gathered around the table had just hailed themselves for being included into the kingdom. Basically, Jesus is saying, you know, in response to that, you know, Jesus is saying, you may not all be going. Like, the Pharisees are saying, yeah, like, blessed are us because we're going to be in heaven and we're going to be blessed. And Jesus is saying, no. <laughs> not, not, he's not saying, like, you cannot be, you, you will not enter heaven, but he's saying, you, you cannot enter heaven except through me. And that's what the Pharisees just could not, they could not understand that. And, uh, but here we see, it's, it's a bit of a frightening kind of conclusion to this parable because this is a scary verse if you're, not, if you're not a believer in Christ because we see that none of those men who are invited shall taste of my dinner. So, it, so here tonight, you know, you've been, and we've all been extended this invitation, this free invitation to come to Christ. And if we reject it, you know, someday there's not going to be any more time to make excuses. Someday it's going to come down to, are you in or are you out? And that's just the reality of it. And uh, Hebrews 3, why don't we flip over to Hebrews 3, verses, verse So this is talking about uh, 
talking about the generation of Israel and how they, uh, just kind of in their unbelief and how they could not enter the rest. And it says, And to, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see, and he's talking about the nation of Israel, so we see that they will, were not able to enter because of unbelief. And that's a tragic verse. If you're, not, if you're here tonight and you, you're not a believer in Christ, to, to not enter because of unbelief, to not, be, to not be included in this incredible feast just because you made excuses. Uh, and it's important to realize here that, that going to church and just, just you know, doing good things, thinking that you have more good deeds than bad, it's not enough. Jesus clearly states that because he's talking to you know, this group of Pharisees that, that that's what they put their hope in. They put their hope in their good works and that they would, that they would be going to, to heaven just based on that. And the important thing to, to grasp is that the only way to the banquet is by accepting the invitation given through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. It's not enough to just say you want to go to heaven and then make excuses about following Christ. Following Christ requires your life. So basically my question is now is, are you going to give your life to Christ if, you're not, if you haven't already? Are you going to surrender your life over to him? Are you going to repent and come to him and let him, let him transform your life? Or are you just going to make excuses? Because, you know, obviously to everyone at the dinner, it, it was shocking that, that, that they wouldn't want to come. Who would not want to come to this incredible feast? And, but the reality is when people make excuses about not wanting to come to Christ, it's the same thing. It's the same thing because the re- choosing to you know, buy a nicer car or buy a, a nicer house or, or have fun while you're in college, that's so absurd when you think about the, this incredible banquet and this incredible relationship with Christ that you can have um, just you know, in the long scheme of things. Following Christ requires your life. So will you give it to him? I compel you by God's grace, if, you're not, if you haven't already, to repent and to believe in Christ. So, kind of in conclusion, uh, will you be at the banquet? And if not, what's keeping you from it? What's keeping you from, from accepting Christ and from turning to Christ? Uh, what's keeping you from the greatest celebration and joy that will ever be? And uh, if, you, you know, if you're here tonight and you, and you don't know Christ and you, you have questions about it, please don't leave without talking to me or any other, a lot of others here. Just don't leave without without asking questions about with, with unanswered thoughts uh, in your heart about what it means to trust in Christ and what it means to accept this invitation. Let's pray. Lord God, I, first of all, I just thank you for this invitation that you've extended to us, Lord. Uh, we're so undeserving of it. Um, but by your grace and by your mercy, you've, you've You've extended this invitation to follow you and to, uh, to be included in those that will be at the banquet. Um, Lord, I know um, for myself that I'm, I can't wait to be there. can't wait to be at this banquet. I can't wait for, for others to be there as well. And I just pray, Lord, that, that, you, uh, that you would just convict the hearts of those that maybe right now aren't going to the banquet. Maybe they're making excuses. They're, they, don't, they believe that they're okay. Lord, I just pray that you convict them, and just, uh, and I pray that you help us uh, as, as Christians to just compel them to come in, to come to the feast. Uh, and I just, once again, I just praise you, and we worship you for your Son who died on the cross and took our sin and our iniquity, so that we could be included in those who could who can go to the banquet, Lord. Uh, 
Lord God, I just thank you so much for that gift and that invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.